Welcome to The Clean Slate with your hosts, Daniel Garza and Carson Phillips, providing you with movie news, reviews, and more. Sit back, relax, and don't forget to go to the concessions to get your popcorn and drinks. For your entertainment, this is The Clean Slate Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast within a podcast within a podcast. I'm your host, Carson Phillips, <laughs> here with Daniel Garza. This is episode two of our Nolan Vimber. So if you haven't joined us yet, we will be reviewing multiple movies from the filmography of one Christopher Nolan. Uh, today we have Inception and Dunkirk. Yep. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. We are here with the second installment of this director and uh honestly these were two really good picks um they are a little bit i guess now older because what this came out in 2010 so this movie is already 13 years old which is kind of insane to say um but here is the log line let's jump right into it a thief who steals corporate secrets through the use of dream sharing technology is given the inverse task of planting an idea into the mind of a ceo but his tragic past may doom the project and his team to disaster. Sweet. That's intense. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Honestly, also, I didn't even realize this movie won four Oscars. What? What did it win? Best cinematography? Probably. Best Um, sound editing, best sound mixing, and best visuals effects. There you go. And it was also nominated for four other awards. That's crazy. I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so guys. For a blockbuster, that's impressive. This is another stacked cast for um, for a Christopher Nolan film. So we got Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Elliot Page, Ken Watanabe, Ken Watanabe, 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 like right. <laughs> Tom Hardy, and Cillian Murphy, as well as um, Michael. A Kane little bit of Michael Caine, Pete Paul Stolowit. Wait, whatever his name is. Um, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, I don't know. We we can kind of do what we just did, but we will. <laughs> this movie is really hard to grasp. If you haven't seen Inception, it's kind of hard to describe. Um, it's just a yeah. very cool concept of of uh, of a story. Like, it's like a heist. It's yeah, like a it heist kinda, film. It's like a time heist. Whatever. Sort of. Um, yeah. You know what's funny though is that the main artwork for this movie has the like bending so of weird the reality yeah. like the street but they only do that like, yeah, like once <laughs> going up <laughs> like like well i, I feel, feel like, like that they, image stands out though well sure but like they could have done that in a, so many more times such a cool way like even yeah. like in the military scene where that all the military when they go into the first stream if she like had done mm-hmm. that and confuses all of them or something of that sort like that would have been really cool it could have been cool but yeah, that's true. They kind of. I mean, I feel like they have <laughs> reasons for making it a little bit grounded in certain areas. Yeah, I guess whatever. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> there's reasoning. Let's go right into likes and dislikes. Um, I do have one thing that I want to say that is like my okay. only problem with it later on, but let's start with our likes first. Got it. Yeah. So for me, on this rewatch, I've seen this movie so many times. Yeah. But. Uh, on this rewatch, I really liked Ken Watanabe's character a lot for some reason. Like, he stood out to me more in this rewatch. Mm. But overall, like, it's a good balance of the Christopher Nolan high concept style film 
with some classic action sequences, some really sick moments from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like when he's fighting in that rotating uh, hallway, which is cool. I feel like that scene should have just been longer because it was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that scene was really dope. And from what we, you know, what I've heard and read is that Joseph Gordon-Levitt did all of his own stunts um, besides yeah, one in that, which is really cool. I mean, if you look up the behind the scenes, you can literally see them rotating yeah. a room, which is that's a lot of effort for such a cool scene. But yeah, overall, I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's hard to say anything bad about it. Um, I feel like, yeah, it definitely balances that emotional take from Leo's character. Mm-hmm. My only like dislike, I guess we, I, we kind of talked about this previously is I feel like some of these side characters don't really add much to the emotional side of the story. Like they're just there to serve the yeah. plot. Yeah, they are sure. cool characters. Like I do like pretty much all the characters. Like I, yeah. Um, and then Cillian Murphy's role is pretty good. It's just so small that I kind of feel like it could have been fleshed out just a little bit more. Yeah. That's but overall, the, sweet movie. That's the the difference is uh, the only thing I think that people actually have a like good arc in this is Leon, Leo. Obviously, he's the main. But Sato actually arc. does have a pretty good arc about like the whole dying old feeling like living with regret. He's actually the one that kind yeah. of like falls into that plot, um, that plot line. And then also yeah, Cillian Murphy has a really good arc. I think it's under um, underrated for sure because like the whole thing is based around him changing his mind on uh, whether or not he's going to sell his father's company or not. And he's just like you can tell he's such a broken a broken man. But like mm-hmm. the more and more you get into his dreams, this is what I love about the writing is that the more and more you get into his dreams, the more you see like the reality of who he is and not just kind of like that front that we all kind of put into our, our place. But yeah, with that being said, let me go into my likes real quick. So first off, love all of these actors, really, really good, really good performances. And, um, second, I, the, the music Hans Zimmer is just a killer oh, artist so or good. The, whatever you call him. But, um, he just, this is kind of what I think, like made him a really household name um is just because i I mean batman begins was already out yeah it's true was dark knight already out i think i'm not a hundred percent sure but i feel like this set him apart from just being the batman guy though yeah like he can create something this big without having to do pre-existing ip uh the music that he just performs in this is just like no other i mean this interstellar dark knight uh they're like my favorite scores of any site like any movie um so those are all really good love the writings very clean and that's what i actually love about christopher nolan is that he writes all these high like concept ideas but he makes it Mm -hmm. really easy for you to understand this movie makes you feel smart exactly yeah and that's what it's confusing you want your your audience to feel smart while they're watching it not like what I don't get this. However, that you, we'll, I'll talk about this more next week. But Tenant is almost the like not opposite, but it lacks a yeah. lot in that category. Um, it, it literally in Tenant, there's a line where they're like, um, like don't think about it too much. <laughs> it's literally like a line. I'm yeah. like, oh, that's for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Christopher Nolan is very aware when he is writing these movies. Actually, one of the things that I did read is that is that Christopher Nolan, once he brought Leo on, they spent like three months doing rewrites in this movie and making it more appealing to the audience. Um, and he he actually kind of helped 
curb some of it yeah you need that sometimes yeah for sure um dislikes yeah i don't have too many dislikes the one dislike i have is this plot point of um Cobb and maul so Cobb is leonardo dicaprio the main protagonist and maul is his wife who is continually interrupting his work because she died and he kind of lives with that guilt that's why yeah yeah exactly (laughs) no so (laughs) um so anyway one of the things when he's implanting when he says the reason why everybody thinks i killed her is because i implanted i did inception on my wife first like i implanted the idea of shut up i implanted the idea (laughs) of her doing like like that dreaming is her reality or if that was a thing but the whole my whole confusion on it was they go into limbo they they're like living in limbo pretty much yeah for like decades yeah like they live an entire lifetime but then he put he puts her on the train and he says this whole thing of like, or the train tracks. And he says like, the train is coming. Yeah, you're waiting for a train, but you don't know where you it's gonna take you. Gonna take you, but you, where does you want it? Like, where do you want it to go? And then she says, like, okay, Willy Wonka, we get it. Right? Jeez. But then she says, because you said you will be together, and I, I was watching this with subtitles, and I'm pretty sure that's like verbatim what she says. Because you said you will be together, not we'll be together. Not whatever, but even if she said because you said we'll be together, it doesn't make sense towards his question. So I'm like, wait, what? I don't get that part in it. And then also what I don't get is how they're like the impossibility of coming back from limbo is ridiculous, but they literally lay on train tracks. They kill themselves and then they come back to reality. So it's like, wait, it was already proven that they can come back from limbo. I think it was kind of like they got lucky. Because it sounds like there's been other people that have gone to limbo and they come out like brain dead. Right. Yeah, exactly. That is like and the I, whole I kind of think the only reason they got lucky too is because there was two of them, not just one person. Hmm. Like if you were in a dream world by yourself, like I could see that being worse. Yeah. I and just, you can tell like from Ken Ken's character when he wakes up, he's like not good at first. Yeah. He grabs his phone right away. He's like calling someone like probably his wife or something. Yeah, so I just didn't I just didn't understand that part and I don't get like like why she said that line and it was just confusing to me and it made me one like her less because I'm like wait, hold on, why is she so I don't know. So that that was my main issue with the with the whole plot and I was pretty upset. Before we get move on to Dunkirk, I do have one thing I want to bring up. Okay. Do you remember the Inception app that we had? Yes, yes, so, I do. There used to be this Inception app that would basically help you lucid dream. But I remember there was like achievements you can get for like, oh, you're both using the app at the same time in a car, so you're gonna have a shared dream, and we would like try to do it and stuff. Do you remember? Oh yeah, that? yeah. It did give me weird dreams. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, Michael's but. convinced that he did do Inception. I'm like, nah, you didn't. He, he did not. I. That's literally not possible. But <laughs> like on any level but the idea of like lucid dreaming that's very much real. yeah lucid dreaming um, was like a huge thing for us afterwards because we're like i want to do this yeah and it's not good for you don't do that it's not good for you but all right let's get into dunkirk all right cool all right guys so this is a 2017 release so was this a seven year gap for him or did he do no he did um, he did other stuff in between i he think did he did batman play. right i'm sorry he did interstellar and i think he and did, dark knight rises yeah Dark Knight Rises, that's what it was. Yeah, there's literally only a three-year gap. That's not... Yeah, that's normal for him. 
Okay, cool. I mean, a three-year gap is so short, though, like for a director. <sighs> yeah, so it, it, but for me, it feels long because I like I love his stuff. I wish he could just create. It's more like an more. event when his movies come out. Yeah, no, for real. Okay, guys. So here we got Dunkirk. This is the logline: Allied soldiers from Belgium, the British Commonwealth, and Empire, and France are surrounded by the German army and evacuated during a fierce battle in World War II. Right off the bat, when I first watched this movie, did not love it. I was like, what? Like, That's fair. I, I, I remember a lot of people hating it when it came out. Yeah. And I feel like the only reason I didn't dislike it is because I watched it in IMAX. And I was like, oh, my yeah, God. Yeah, that'll this do movie's it. amazing. <laughs> so the whole thing, it just feels like a no- – I mean, it's for sure like a biopic because it is based off of a true story. Roughly. It's more like the events happened and he's recreating it his way. But Right. Yeah, sure. Hence based. Um. Anyway, so, yeah, I wasn't in love with it, but now on this rewatch, I gave it a good old-fashioned, like, all right, we're going to sit down hardcore, put on some subtitles, give it the good um, the audio that it deserves, and literally, it was such an enjoyable ride this time. Like, you have, mm-hmm. one, another stacked cast, pretty stacked. Cillian Murphy. Cillian Murphy. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. Harry Styles. <laughs> Uh, Kenneth Branagh, the guy oh, yeah. who is Brogna? in, um, yeah, in all the, our favorite, Haunting in Venice that we <laughs> yep. recorded. Death on the Nile, those movies. He's cool. Barry um, Kyogon or whatever. He's a pretty yeah. well-known actor now. He's been in Killing of the Sacred Deer, The Green Knight. Mm-hmm. He's, got, he's gotten he's some good. Uh, good stuff going for him. And he was in The Batman. James Darcy. James Darcy shows up. I like him from what's gonna call it i don't know who he is to you uh he's in a ton of stuff but okay i best know him as <laughs> you're gonna judge me so there was a spinoff to the agents of shield uh, all about what's her name oh my um, god what a nerd you know what whatever <laughs> man okay um what is it i'm trying to remember her name who's the girl that's like agent carter there's, he was in the Agent Carter show, and he plays um, – he's Jarvis in that. He's pretty great in it. Nice. He's the little butler, little yeah. butler guy. Okay, cool. So let's go um, – I mean, this one is pretty cut and dry. Like, we follow along a couple of different characters. Sort of. It's almost like an anthology. Yeah, it jumps yeah. around in time. This is literally trick or treat World War Two. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, okay, cool. So let's just talk about likes and dislikes then. So sorry, I'm so sorry. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> for me, I love. I really enjoy this movie. I'm also just a sucker for World War Two, World War One movies. Um, and I and I think just visually for me, it stands out, and that's really what I like about this movie the most is the visuals are just really engrossing. Um. Obviously, that's partially because of the way they, they shot this on IMAX film, 65 millimeter, which is pretty sweet. So it just looks epic. And I think yeah, that goes a long way for me. Uh, also, just seeing like this military event from multiple perspectives, from ground troops to aerial troops to like the boats coming in to help. I feel like that's kind of just a cool angle to take, like just seeing it from all these different approaches of what's going on. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. My... I will say I do have some complaints even on this rewatch. And my main complaint is what? (laughs) I'm surprised you have complaints. 
Really? Because I do like this movie a lot. Don't yeah, get me yeah. wrong. But my biggest complaint is it doesn't really follow. There's not like a main character for me to latch onto, and yeah. that's partially because it jumps around so much. So I just don't have any emotional attachment to literally any of these characters. The only character I latched onto or characters is the people on the boat. I, I thought that was a good story. Like that itself mm-hmm. was probably the best story in the film. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and the and the most emotionally rewarding. So I'm glad that's in there for sure. But as far as like all these other characters, I don't really care about them. Like Tom Hardy, I'm like, I don't know anything about this guy. Um, yeah, he's just like a really good pilot. He's just, yeah, he's just really cool, I guess. Um and that's fine. Like, I get what he's trying to do, so I'm okay with it. It's just, yeah, I, I could have been a, attached to a few more of these characters. I will say, uh, I like that it's almost like a silent film. Like, there is dialogue, but there's not a lot. And I kind of appreciate that. I remember people being mad about that when it first came out. That is not a complaint of mine. I think it's a, a really cool aspect of this film. With mine, I'm going to say, on the second... On the second watch, this is only the second time I've seen this, is yeah. that visually I could appreciate it way more. Um, it's so cool. Story-wise, I feel like I was invested in a lot more. Like As mm-hmm. shallow as kind of all the characters were, it still had a good story, yeah. an overall story, which was we want to rescue our troops from pretty much annihilation that is coming. Our boys in blue. Yeah. And yeah. That very was, intense situation to be in, right? So I didn't think it was as shallow as you know some people are saying. This also won three Oscars. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's also at the time it was the highest grossing World War II film until Oppenheimer came out. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, oh, nice. This won Best Achievement in Film Editing, and then. Oh, I mean, it has great editing, actually. Oh, that like was the way it jumps you know, around and stuff. Sound editing, and then what else? Did it, and it was the best achievement in sound mixing. Cool. Also, look up a photo of the DP if you're bored, guys. His name's Hoyt van Hoytema. Um, he's Swedish or Dutch or something. Uh, he looks crazy. <laughs> he looks really cool. <laughs> He just looks insane. Anyway, so yeah, this movie, I think it was just a really good movie. Yeah, I think a little bit is the part from the parts that were disappointing for me was Christopher Nolan is a very like he is in his category of how he does film and how he writes. So I just didn't know if his time kind of ideas really worked here. It almost made it more confusing like than actually non linear plot. Yeah, it almost made it more confusing than it actually needed to be. And then mm, secondly, um, I'm just this is not anything to do with Christopher Nolan, but I am just kind of exhausted of World War II films. I think we wow, we, you hate you hate seeing our boys, <laughs> um, what they went through. Our boys, they're all like British, aren't they? You, okay, but I'm just saying in general, are you just gonna ignore? I'm not ignoring. Our troops, I'm Daniel? just like exhausted by the Confirmed. films. Confirmed. Same way Daniel I am exhausted America with Avengers and, and the Marvel. UK. <laughs> I have. Wow, been. you're gonna compare them to fictional? Fictional? This is fiction. No. <laughs> it's not. True. But our troops, Daniel. They're not our troops. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, it it wasn't. Um, it, that was kind of like. Eh. But on the rewatch, I did really enjoy it. I would watch it again. Of course, I. Nineteen seventeen is still bad. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah. What? I just I don't understand why that's not like considered the best war movie of all time. Yeah. For sure, but that's also not World War Two. It's World War One. 
No, it's World War One. It's a better war. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, those are my thoughts on it. It's still a great movie, guys. If you want, go check it out on rentals. Do it. Yeah, I don't know where they are. Yeah, honestly. Ever since Nolan's breakup uh, with Warner Brothers. None of these Christopher Nolan films are on anything. You have to rent all of them, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of a pain in the butt. Or just own them like we do. Do you own this one? Yeah. You know what? This one's on Netflix. Dunkirk is on Netflix. You have to rent Inception. Oof. Gross. Rent. Anyway. Or just buy it. You should just buy Inception. <laughs> all right. Let's wrap it up. So, guys, that is going to do it for the Nolan Vember Week 2 This um, yes, of this series. We are going to be uh, finishing up next week with Nolan Vember. We have two more films. His more recent films, Tenant and Oppenheimer. We will be talking about that. Oppenheimer is movie of the year probably not but it was so great um it's up there for me yeah it was great as release and i'm really excited to talk about that so guys give these two movies a watch if you haven't seen them in a while or if you haven't seen them at all go uh, go check them out and let us know what you think about our takes on these films and uh, let us know your takes but other than that that is going to do it for this week and we will see you next week for the finale of nolan vember we don't know where this podcast is going, but we hope that it'll take us somewhere. You know where I was trying to think of a joke. <laughs> All right. That's a clean slate.